This morning, I want to uh, ask you guys a question, and it's pretty much what Austin just read. I'll read it again. Acts six, uh, Luke six forty six says, "By why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do the things that I say?" And I think that's a pretty good question, right? I think that's the question that we can all ask ourselves and think about. And you know what? If you're like me, a lot of times you're quick to say, you know, I'm a Christian. Yes, I'm a Christian. You know, we'll boldly say that we're a Christian. But then we don't do the things that the Lord says to do. You know, we say one thing but do something else. And why is that? You know, why is that? So recently I've been reading and I've been studying um, a good bit about the church, you know, about Christ's church and the way we do things in the church and why do we do things in the church, okay? Um, and me and Cheryl's talked a little bit about it as well. You know, we say this and we say that, but do we really know why we say that? Is it because somebody told you that that's what it was? Or, you know, have you found out for yourself? And I never want us to get, or myself or us ever to get just comfortable I never want to get comfortable or just even you could say lazy. I never want us to get lazy uh, while we're here in worship service. And I think that would never be our intention, right? We would never come to worship on Sunday morning purposely not paying attention or not being active and participated in the worship service. We never just want to go through the motions. Um, our minds tend to wander off sometimes. I get that. Mine, mine has done that too. We don't get enough sleep whatever, whatever, and our minds can or tend to wonder, and we don't give God our full attention, and I never want us to, to be that person. Uh, I want us to be ones that read the scripture and reread the scripture and know for ourselves, right, what the scripture means. Find out for ourselves. I tell you what, there's more I've learned over the years, and especially here lately. If you really want to know the scriptures, teach a class, preach a sermon, I'm telling you, you may call something Bible study or I read my Bible, but until you actually deep dive and do some really some searching and looking and teach a class or preach a sermon, you really start digging and find things. And it's pretty exciting. I get excited when I see something that I hadn't seen before. It hits me a different way. It'll get you excited, and I really enjoy that. But you will definitely learn more about what you believe and why you believe something if you really do a deep dive study about it, uh, I promise you that. And you know, I'm very thankful too that I grew up in the church, okay? Most of you know I grew up in the church. Several of us here grew up in the church and there's nothing wrong with that. I'm, like I said, I'm very thankful for it. Um, my parents, I had great parents that showed me all through the years and still do, you know, what it's about to be a Christian. You know, what it's about about to live a godly life and you know why we do the things that we do and not you know don't do the things that we shouldn't and that's really I think and I well I know for a fact that has really kept me straight all these years especially when I was young my mom and dad kept me straight because you would think about the respect and the love that you have for them right and you don't want to let them down so that really kept me out of a lot of trouble and I contribute that to growing up in the church you know being taught right from wrong but I also know and have great respect for the challenges that come with that. Let's be honest. If you go up in the church, and you know what I mean if you did, there are challenges. 
you can believe something or follow something because that's what mom and dad did. My mom and dad believe this, so guess what? I believe it too. It's got to be right, right? If your mom and dad believe it and your grandparents believe it, then it's got to be right, so you think. So there are some challenges with that. We've got to be careful that, that we don't get into that mindset where we do things because somebody else believes it. We want to know for sure what we believe because we have done our own study. We have read the Bibles for ourselves, and we've looked at the Scripture, and we know what it means. And it can also be the case with preachers, was it preacheritis? We all know what that is when somebody thinks more of the preacher or, or looks at the preacher more than the Bible. You know, you get so hooked on a preacher, and surely if he says it, it's got to be true, right? And this, the minute that we take our eyes off God and set them on man, that's when trouble begins. Because you know what? Man's going to make mistakes. Man's not perfect. God's perfect. So if we ever put our eyes on man for our direction and our salvation, uh, that's where we lose focus. And you can actually read that. I won't look at it this morning, but... 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 6 kind of addresses as far as putting your putting everything into, into man. But I do have to say, too, I really respect those that are outside of the church, okay? And they are taught the gospel, and they see it for themselves, and they obey it, okay? Those that are outside of the church, somebody approaches them and, and presents the gospel and preaches however they hear it, and they... Uh, they accept it and thankfully I've been able to witness that several times over the years and Cheryl my wife was one of those I was lucky to be able to be a part of that um, but you have to put aside a lot of things up to that point and I know a lot of you I, I know a lot of your stories here this morning a lot of you had to put aside a lot of things that y'all have believed for a long time for a lot of years some of you up into your adult years you believed a certain way and I know how hard that must be to have to put that aside just for a minute and listen to somebody else without throwing a guard up thinking you're right and they're wrong. But you listened and you paid attention, but you read the word for yourself and you found out for yourself what was true um, and you decided to obey the gospel. And to me, I think, again, that's just a, a wonderful and beautiful thing. And also I know there's some that set out to prove the church wrong, if you will, I know there are some that uh, were presented the gospel or presented what the church stands for and what the church believes in, and they took it upon themselves personally to prove it wrong. And I'm looking at one of the ladies right now, and that is my mom. She did that exact same thing. You know, she didn't take it for what it was worth at first, because if you know my mom, that she's going to do her homework and do her research and her study and you know, and, there, and I know there's more here this morning, too. And if I'm not mistaken, uh, Brother Chuck Fetters, that was his case, too. Uh, if you remember him saying that, he would stay up or get up in the mornings like my mom before work and study, 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 trying to find a loophole or why we do what we do and, you know, try to prove them wrong. But what happened? In the process, you found the truth. You found the truth. And due to that, you became a Christian. And how wonderful is that for somebody that can do their homework, study their Bibles, and find out for themselves what it's like or why, what they have to do to become a Christian and then become a Christian. And for that, I, I think that's an incredible, incredible thing, too. But as Christians, you know, kind of 
to the point, too, we've got to look after one another. Uh, we got to make sure we're doing as a church what God expects us to do, right? You know, we do come from different backgrounds. We do, we did have some different beliefs, and there's still maybe some, you know, whatever. But we got to look after one another. We've got to make sure that we're looking after our fellow brother, and we got to make sure that we're doing what's right. When we come in this room, and I tell myself that this all the time, when we come together as a church, and when we come together in this room for worship. We should be so comfortable. We should be able to let our hair down. We should be able to, to talk with one another and tell stories and um, open up to one another, if you will. You know, and I never wanted to get to where we feel like when we come together, we 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 don't we have to hide something or they wouldn't understand or I, I'm not going to go there. That you know that's personal or whatever. We we're a family. We're a family here. So I, I just want us to always remember that. We've got to look after one another and make sure our family is strong here because we do have something. And Jim has said this over and over, and he's told everybody else where he goes. Central Union is, you know, this is a special place. We've got something here that a lot of congregations, a lot of groups out there would love to have. You know, just look around a little bit and talk to people, and you'll see the love that we have. And there are a lot of congregations out there, believe me, that don't have what we have. You know, travel around a little bit and visit, and you probably have over the years. Uh, we definitely have a special thing, and I want us to always keep that. I, I want us to always remember that and help each other in every way that we can, uh, especially in a spiritual sense. Uh, because as we know, we've talked about and we've heard it and we've sung the songs over and over. This world is not our home. This world is not our home. Uh, we're just passing through, so we need to make sure we help each other get home. All right, I want us to look just real quick this morning at a couple of examples in the Bible that I believe is going to go uh, along with our, our lesson this morning. If you want to grab your Bibles, I'm not going to have anything on the overhead. Uh, so we're just going to read from our Bibles this morning. If you want to turn to the book of Nehemiah, chapter 8. Nehemiah, chapter 8. And last week, Jeremy did a wonderful job bringing us a lesson uh, from the book of Nehemiah. If you were here for that, you'll remember. Uh, and it was just kind of coincidence. It kind of went along with what I'm speaking on this morning. But if you remember last week, Jeremy mentioned how the, where the Jews were rebuilding the wall. And during the whole time, they were just being harassed and picked on. And you name it, they had obstacle after obstacles uh, from Sam Ballot and his boys. You know, they just didn't make it easy on nobody. Um, but as we know, the wall was rebuilt, right? Pretty quick, too. But why were they so successful in doing that? You remember? They always went to the Lord, right, in prayer. So God helped them rebuild that wall. So during this same time here in Nehemiah, where I'm going to be reading, uh, things were pretty well destroyed. They were picking things back up. They were rebuilding a lot of things, like Jeremy mentioned in his lesson. They were rebuilding the wall. And thankfully, too, at this time, there were a lot of folks that were flocking back into Jerusalem. Um, some good things were happening now, okay? Good things were happening, good vibes. People were feeling better. Uh, people were getting hungry for God's word. And this is evident of what we're going to read here in uh, Nehemiah chapter 8. Verse 1 says, Now all the people gathered together as one man in the open square that was in front of the water gate. And they told Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded Israel. 
And then jump down to verse 3. It says, The ears of all the people were attentive to the book of the law from morning until midnight. So they had a good old Bible reading right there in the square for several hours, and people were just grabbing on to it. They were coming up and listening, just wanting more and more uh, there in the open square as Ezra was reading the book of the law. So then we pick up, if you keep looking down a little bit, uh, day two of the public reading, I guess you could say, in the open square. starts in Nehemiah chapter uh, 8 and verse 13. And we're going to see something here. While Ezra is reading, uh, something pretty incredible happens, okay? So pay attention, and we'll see what happens. There's a discovery that's made. So let's read Nehemiah chapter 8, and I'm going to read verses 13 through 17. Now on the second day, the heads of the fathers' houses of all the people with the priests and the Levites were gathered to Ezra the scribe in order to understand the words of the law. And they found written in the law, which the Lord had commanded by Moses, that the children of Israel should dwell in booths during the feast of the seventh month, and that they should announce and proclaim in all their cities and in Jerusalem, saying, Go out to the mountain and bring out olive trees, branches of oil trees, myrtle branches, palm branches, and branches of every leafy tree to make booths, as it is written. Then the people went out and brought them and made themselves booths, each one on the roof of his house or in their courtyards or in the courts of the, ho- courts of the house of God and in the open square of the water gate and in the open square of the gate of Ephraim. So the whole assembly of those who had returned from the captivity made booths and sat under the booths. For since the days of Joshua, the son of Nun, until, the day, until that day, the children of Israel had not done so, and there was great gladness. So if you see here towards the end of what we just read, it was discovered something, right? They discovered something. They discovered that God had commanded his people to live in these temporary booths, right? These temporary huts or these booths or these sheds, temporary housing, whatever you want to call it, uh, a little booth. And they, they were to be made out of these branches from these special trees and this was going on during the seventh uh, the seven day Jewish festival which is known as the Feast of Tabernacles so as this was going on and this was being read out of the Bible we see a few verses later they were told that nobody had been doing this nobody had been doing this from the days of Joshua the son of Nun until that day they just wasn't doing it nobody was doing it and from what I can gather, and, you know, if somebody wants to correct me if I'm wrong, this was, went on almost a 1,000 years from the time this was being done until this point. So what is that, 10 centuries have gone by that this command by God had not been lived out. Um, here we have God's people not carrying out this living in the boost command. Uh, but, but here's the thing, then what? After we read that, then what? What was their response to this discovery? What was their response? Did they, uh, you know, apparently I, I didn't see anyone say, you know what, it's really not big of a deal. You know, it's not that big of a deal, guys. Just hang on before everybody gets excited. You know, there's really not been nobody doing this for a 1,000 years, right? So what's the big deal? It, what's it going to hurt? You know, we'll just kind of look away on this time, and we'll just 
we're still, you know, we're still here for the Feast of the Tabernacles, right? This whole living in booths thing, you know, it's so inconvenient. We'll get hot and sweaty and have to cut them branches down. And who wants to do it? They could have just went on and on, right, with these excuse after excuse. But we're going to see this ain't what happened at all, is it? This was not their response at all. Uh, not at all. According to what we read, the people were so committed to obeying God that they went out and did what? What did Jeremy say last week? They went to work. These guys went to work. Immediately they went out and they gathered these branches and they got these little huts built. Every one of them started building their little tents and their little temporary housing. And verse 17 ended with, there was great gladness. There was very great gladness. And we can look over at Leviticus 23, verse 42 and 43. It says, you shall dwell in the booths for seven days. All who are native Israelites shall dwell in the booths that your generations may know that I made the children of Israel dwell in booths when I brought them out of the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. So we can read about it again, what they were supposed to do uh, according to God back in Leviticus chapter 23. So now I guess it would be a good time for me to say and to observe the, the dwelling in the booths commands. Why did they do it? Because God said so. Because God said so. That's why they did it. I also had to throw this little bit in there, too. One of my new favorite verses here lately. Ecclesiastes chapter 5 and verse 2 says, For God is in heaven and you are on earth. For God is in heaven and you are on earth. And I try to tell myself that and remember that. You know, If you ever forget who you are as a Christian and think you're all that and better than everybody in God, remember Ecclesiastes 5 two: For God is in heaven and you're here on this earth. One more example I want us to look at. It happened just a little bit uh, before the living in the little huts discovery in Nehemiah's day. Uh, let's turn over to 2 Samuel chapter 6. 2 Samuel chapter 6. We're all familiar with this story. It's the familiar story of David uh, as he's planning to move the Ark of the Covenant, Okay. And we're going to look at a little condensed version this morning. I'm not going to go way far back because most of us know, know the story, but I just want us to kind of jump, really, and start off right when the move begins, okay? Uh, pretty much for time's sake. So let's read 2 Samuel 6, and I'll read 3 through 9. 2 Samuel chapter 6, verse 3 through 9. So they set the ark of God on a new cart, and brought it out of the house of Abinadab, which was on the hill. And Uzzah and Ahiah, the sons of Abinadab, drove the new cart. And they brought it out of the house of Abinadab, which was on the hill. That must, on the hill must have been pretty important. They really emphasize on the hill, right? Accompanying the ark of God. And Ahiah went before the ark. Then David and all the house of Israel played music before the Lord on all kinds of instruments of fir wood on harps, on stringed instruments, on tambourines, on sistrums, and on cymbals. And when they came to, I'm going to say Nacon's, Nachon's threshing floor, Uzzah put out his hand to the ark of God and took hold of it, for the oxen had stumbled. 
Then the anger of the Lord was aroused against Uzzah, and God struck him there for his error. And he died there by the ark of God. And David became angry because of the Lord's outbreak against Uzzah. And he called the name of the place Perez Uzzah to this day. David was afraid of the Lord that day, and he said, How can the ark of the Lord come to me? So here we see the anger of the Lord against Uzzah, and Uzzah pretty much, as it says, struck down right there dead, right in front of everybody, right beside the ark of God. You know, if we look at this story, and if you're like me, you kind of think for a minute, like, you know, is this right? Is this fair? I mean, this poor guy, he saw something real bad fixing to happen, and he jumped out there and tried to, to fix it, right? You know, was he really doing anything that bad? I, you know, I kind of put me in them shoes, or, or you guys. If we would have been standing there, and you see this great art coming through, and this procession, and, I, you know, all this going on, and this thing starting to slip, would you have jumped out there and grabbed it too? I saw lips go, probably. <laughs> yeah, I probably would have too. You know, I probably would have too. In today's times, if you think about it, if we were to do that in these days and times, we probably would have been a hero, right? You know, we probably would have seen Uzzah on the news this morning, breaking news. You know, Uzzah, the great hero, saved the day, you know, if we looked at it in today's times. But we know that's not the case. So what happened here? Verse 7 tells us that the anger of the Lord burned against Uzzah and struck him down there for his error. Struck him down for his error, and he died there by the ark. And we can see then just a few verses later that, that David, you know, he suddenly got angry. He was angry and very scared, and I'm thinking he was probably more scared than angry. If, if I saw a guy get zapped down dead in front of me. So he was probably, you know, more, more scared and, and, and angry, as it says. So what in the world went wrong? Okay, so what went wrong? David was trying to do a good thing, right? David was trying to bring this ark back to its proper place where it needed to be, right? He was just trying to take it, uh, take it home. So for starters, we know that it turns out they were carrying the ark all wrong, okay? They were just totally uh, carrying it all wrong. A few centuries earlier, uh, God had actually given Moses detailed instructions exactly how the ark was to be carried okay exactly how you were to move this from place to place but unfortunately it seems that over time that this got forgotten or uh, got lost or whatever but it, this being the case it didn't happen but after God's wake-up call here David you know apparently he went back to Jerusalem and he maybe did a little homework and did a little check and found out for himself and he discovered God's original instruction for how to move this ark and he discovered, of course, that God has specifically said it was to be carried by who? The Levites. It had to be carried by the Levites. And they were to carry it on their shoulders with gold-plated poles, uh, which were slipped through the rings at the base of each corner of the ark. And you remember what they put it on? They put it on a cart, a shiny new cart, them guys put it on. So... We know now that they, they didn't do that, and we have here exactly how it was supposed to have been transported. And you can read it your own time if you want to. And this is coming from Exodus chapter 25 and then in First Chronicles uh, chapter 15. But in First Chronicles chapter 15, it gives us the account of the next move, okay? 
So David, I guess he's feeling pretty good about the move, and he's got his eggs in a row and his bearings straight, and he, he feels like he's really got it figured out, and he knows now uh, what has to be done to move this ark. So what does he do first? He calls the priests and the Levites. He gets the boys together, how he should have done it the first time. So let's read this, First Chronicles chapter 15. Uh, let's start in verse 12. I'll read 12 through 15. So David, you know, he went out and he called together the priests and he called together the Levites, starting in uh, 15 and verse 12. And he said to them, You are the heads of the father's houses of the Levites. Sanctify yourselves, you and your brethren, that you may bring up the ark of the Lord of God of Israel to the place I have prepared for it. For because you did not do it the first time, the Lord got the Lord our God broke out against us. I love the way that said. The Lord our God broke out against us. Because we did not consult him after the proper order. We did not consult him the way this thing should have been moved. Verse 14, so the priests and the Levites sanctified themselves to bring up the ark of the Lord of God of Israel. And, all, and the children of the Levites bore the ark of God on their shoulders by its poles as Moses had commanded according to the word of God. This time they got it right, didn't they? And that's because they went back to the word of God. They went back to, to the commandments that were given of how this thing was to be moved. Uh, and it says here is because we did not consult him about the proper order. So round two of the move obviously went pretty well, much better than they did the first time, okay? Uh, because it was by God's plan. And Moses had commanded them, as it said, um, as Moses had commanded according to the word of the Lord. Uh, they did it this way because God said so. And that's why they were successful. They did it the way God said to do it not the way they thought they should do it. Let's build a nice little shiny cart. Let's throw it up here. You guys do that. We'll do whatever. Nope. That is not the command that was given of how the ark was to be moved. And big consequences were made because of it were paid. So with all the distractions in the world today, and I, I think you would agree with me, there's quite a few distractions and all the activities that seem to be accepted in the world today and you know, if you get over into the to the um, to the religious world and look at all the distractions there, man, there's a bunch of them. It almost seems like today that anything goes at any cost. We really don't care if you'll come through that door and sit down. We'll we'll make things right. We'll do whatever we have to do to get people in here. But we know that's not. Where do they get that? You're not going to read your Bible, and you're going to see that that's how things are to operate. We're given very strict instructions, uh, commandments that we're to go by in the Bible that tells us how we're to conduct ourselves as Christians, how we're con to conduct ourselves in the worship service, the acts of worship that we're supposed to, to participate in every week. And if we deviate from that or get away from that, you're almost saying anything goes. It's almost like, this, you know, if you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. That's the same thing with religion. If we don't hold firm in the belief in the commands of God, then folks will fall for anything, anything. And that's when our guards are let down, and that's when things do get into the church. And then before you know it, we're doing things that we would thought we would have never done. 
and we're seeing that, right? We can look around and we can see that in the in the world, and unfortunately, and some of the our fellow brethren are doing some things in some of the congregations that are that are going the wrong direction as well. So, my message is, and I just want to let you know that you know how important it is to me, and I know it's important to you guys to to just be strong with who we are as Christians. To, to, to work together in this congregation, to always do what's right, lift each other up, pick each other up, love each other, which I know we do, but we need, you know, let's show it all every chance that we get and always do good for one another, you know, because we all have the same goal in mind or we wouldn't be sitting here this morning, okay? So let's don't forget that because if we're not careful, we too can forget our way, right? And then we're going to be you know, carelessly following an error just like Uzzah did. And we see how that turned out. So let's make sure we support each other, forget about and not forget about the true way, what we believe and why we believe it. We're Christians. So let's continue to, to live our lives as Christians and to tell other people we're Christians. And, and let's see if we can help some lost souls be saved in the process. That's my lesson this morning. Uh, if anyone has a need of the church this morning, uh, if you're not a Christian and you would love to become a Christian, we would love for you to become a Christian, and today is the day to do that. Uh, but if you're already a Christian and things are not going just right or you just need prayers to the congregation or whatever your need is, if there's any way that this group of folks can help you this morning, please come as we stand and sing. <laughs>